Hey, good morning. Good morning, uh, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, great to have you uh, with us. Welcome everybody here in Waukesha. River Glen's one church, and we meet in many uh, locations. And so everybody here in Waukesha, would you join me? Let's give a big welcome to everybody watching over in Pewaukee and online. Love you guys. So good to have you joining uh, with us. Well, uh, last weekend we had a great Father's Day weekend. I was out of town. I was on vacation. I watched online. And it was uh, terrific. Of course, the, the one week I'm gone, they do a really cool Kansas song to open the service. Did you guys enjoy that song? Yeah, yeah if you missed it, uh, you can go online, yeah, go to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can watch the whole service. You don't want to miss uh, that. We also had some special food uh, last weekend. I heard it was really good. We're going to have more special food uh, like that many of the weeks of summer across both uh, campuses. You can see the food schedule, food calendar on our website. Really hope that you'll uh, join us. Some people have asked me, uh, you know, how's the church doing? Maybe you wonder, how's the church doing? How's the church doing this summer compared to previous uh, summers? Well, last weekend we had an in-person attendance of 73% of what we had for Father's Day weekend before COVID uh, started. And 73%, that's strong and growing. Every weekend we're seeing people coming back and we're meeting uh, new people. When you add in the online for last weekend, overall attendance is actually up 15%. And so we're just really grateful for that. And um, we thank God for the way that he's uh, working. Well, any sports fan will tell you that uh, GOAT stands for greatest of all time. And sports fans like to debate, you know, who's the GOAT in various sports. I enjoy watching all kinds of uh, sports, but I do have a favorite uh, sport, IndyCar racing. And last month, I got to meet my GOAT. Now, I know, you know, many of you, most of you don't follow IndyCar racing, but you've probably heard of the Indianapolis 500, right? Alan Sir Jr., my GOAT, Won Indy 500 two times. He won the IndyCar Championship two times. And last month, I heard that he was going to be at a car show at State Fair signing autographs. So I went to this car show. But I didn't bring, I didn't bring in anything for him to sign. I figured the line's going to be so long. I'm not going to wait in line. Well, I get there, and he is sitting by himself. I mean, there is nobody in line. But I felt nervous about going up to him. You know, I didn't bring anything for him to sign. And, uh, you know, what am I going to say to him? Hey, you're my goat, you know. Um, and what if he, I, I was worried, you know, what if he's unfriendly? You know, what if he's rude? It would just break my heart. It would just, it would just uh, ruin me. But I couldn't resist. So I walked up to him. And he could not have been nicer. I mean, he gave me a picture. He signed it. Uh, we had a nice little uh, conversation. Isn't it great to get a chance to meet uh, your goat and to find out that they're actually a really nice uh, person? Now, I don't know who your goat is. I don't know what sports you follow. But as I, as I studied and prepared for this series, it surprised me how many great athletes, how many goats have worn the number 23? For example, if you follow soccer, you probably recognize David Beckham, number 23, one of the greatest soccer players of all time. If you follow hockey, you recognize Bob Gainey, won multiple Stanley Cups. He's in the Ho Hockey Hall of Fame. He wore 23. And of course, in basketball, Michael Jordan, LeBron James won multiple NBA championships, and they both wore the number 23. 23. But the goat we're talking about today 
and in this series has nothing to do with sports or great athletes who wore number 23. The goat we're talking about is Psalm 23, the greatest scripture of all time. Psalm 23 is probably the most quoted, most popular, most well-known chapter in the entire Bible. And our goal in this series is to walk through the goat together because the more we understand and apply it, the more we discover, the more it changes the way we view God and it helps us develop a close relationship with God uh, like never uh, before. That's why we encourage you to read the goat uh, twice a day during this series, maybe once in the morning, maybe once at night to start and end your day well. Somebody suggested this to me, and it's really, it's really been good for me. I, I made it the background on my phone, Psalm 23, uh, written out to remind me to read it and remember it. Well, today, I want to go old school and read the first four verses of Psalm 23 from the King James translation. This is old English, but many of you probably recognize it. You probably learned it this way and maybe memorized it. So here we go. Here it is. Uh, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now let's pause there for a moment. I mean, no wonder Psalm 23 is considered the goat, right? I mean, who wouldn't want these kinds of images to color and shape the way that we think about uh, God? I mean, I get to lie, you know, around green pastures. I get to hang around and, and sip a pina colada around quiet uh, waters, he restores and renews my soul. I mean, that sounds fantastic, right? Sign me up. But look at what it says in the next verse, verse 4, that we're going to focus on uh, today. Yay, that's how it starts, yay. And it's not, you know, yay, this is awesome. <laughs> yay, listen up. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. <clears throat> thy rod and thy staff... They comfort me. Clearly, verse 4 is a major departure from the first three verses. I mean, we go from green pastures to dark skies. We were just sitting in the green grass, you know, having a picnic, sipping a cool beverage by the water. And now we're in the stinking valley of the shadow of death. By the way, do you know that the valley of the shadow of death is a real place? It's located in, in Palestine. It's just south of, of the Jericho Road that leads from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. It's this narrow passageway that goes through the mountains. And um, as you can see, the walls, I mean, they go up between 500 and 1,000 feet. And in some parts of it, it's only 10 to 12 feet wide at the bottom. Shepherds would have to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. And it would be dangerous I mean, because there's wild animals and there's bandits and other things here. But they would go through it, even though it was dangerous, to lead their flock of sheep to greener pastures. You see, the valley of the shadow of death is a real place in Palestine. And it's a real place in our lives. I mean, many of us have lived long enough to know that life can move pretty quickly from green pastures to dark skies. Everything seems like it's going along just fine in your life, you know, your job's going well, school's going great, you feel successful, your relationships are solid and strong, you're saving money, and then out of nowhere, 
in the next verse in your life, I mean like verse 3 to verse 4, in the next verse of your life, sickness swoops in. Or maybe you lost a loved one or a good friend. Or maybe you lost your job or you felt abandoned or betrayed. Or out of nowhere, you start struggling with and struggling with and, and battling depression. And life just doesn't seem as promising as it did a few days ago or a few weeks ago. You know, it's been said that all of us are in one of three places. One of three places. Either you're going into a valley right now or you're in the middle of a valley or you're coming out of a valley. And maybe, the, maybe, maybe you find yourself right now in the midst of a valley and you can't remember. It's hard for you to remember what it felt like when the sun was shining and the skies were blue because it just seems like darkness has overtaken you. So let's do this today. Let's dig into verse 4 and let's find some guidance for the storms and valleys of life. We already read verse 4 in the King James. Here's what it says in the NIV. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though. Would you say that out loud, that phrase with me? Even though. Let's say that together. Ready? Even though. Even though. You know what that means? It means that storms and valleys are inevitable. Take a look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. In other words, storms and valleys are to be expected. They're going to happen. But most of the time, we don't see them coming, right? I mean, I don't think any of us saw global pandemic on our calendar for last year or for this year. If I asked you in February of last year, hey, what do you have planned for this year? I don't think anybody would have said, well, I'm looking forward to canceling our family vacation and working from home and trying to figure out online school for my kids. No, none of us saw that coming. So many graduation ceremonies and weddings and vacations and new careers and good health were postponed or canceled altogether because of this pandemic that just popped up out of nowhere. And we're still recovering and rebuilding. But if you find yourself in a valley right now, you just remember, even though, even though you lost your job, even though your marriage feels like it's on the rocks, even though your kids drive you crazy and you feel like a lousy parent at times, even though it feels impossible to sleep peacefully at night because of stress, anxiety, worry from everything that's happening, even though all of those things and maybe a hundred other things are true, you know what? You will get through this. We will get through this. You see, the word through is actually a key word in this verse because we're not meant to camp out in the valley or to get addicted to storms. The valley is not meant to be a permanent place. Think about it. A valley has a beginning and an end, or it's not a valley. I mean, you can't call something a valley unless you can go into it and come out of it. That's why David writes, even though I walk through the valley. So don't get comfortable in your valley. Don't get stuck in it. Don't lie down in it. And don't get weary. The shepherd leads us through a barren place to get us to a better place. There's hope on the other side. Now, your valley, I mean, it may not end quickly. I mean, it may take days or months or years, but every valley has an end. Every valley is temporary. This too will pass. So you just keep moving and taking next steps. 
you'll get through it. Even though we live in a difficult time, we will get through this. It's kind of like uh, winters in Wisconsin. You know, winters in Wisconsin are kind of like a valley, aren't they? I mean, winters are long and cold and dark. But what happens every year? Spring finally comes. We just have to stick it out. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it goes on to say in verse 4, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Something uh, really jumped out at me uh, as I studied verse 4. I've probably read this hundreds of times, and I've never really noticed this uh, before. Something important changes in verse 4. Up to this point, in, in the first three verses, David has used third person in describing how awesome the shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. The shepherd is awesome. That's all third person. But notice how he changes from third person to second person in verse 4. David says, you are with me. You comfort me. All of a sudden, Psalm 23 goes from a poem to a prayer. David moves from talking about God to talking to God. And there comes a point when we need to move from talking about God to talking to God directly. Because when you say, God, you are with me, you take ownership of your faith and you experience all these promises in this uh, chapter. It's not somebody else's valley, it's your valley. It's not God, you know, helping somebody else through it. It's God helping you through your valley in a way that is personal and special and unique to you. God, you are with me. So when you're when you're, when you're hurting, don't just talk about God. Don't just read about God. Talk directly to him and God will bring you strength and comfort and courage because you realize you're not alone. I want to bring this picture back up of the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to imagine something. Imagine you're a sheep and you're in a flock and you're right here at the entrance to the valley of the shadow of death. And the shepherd says to you, uh, go on. Go ahead, little sheep. I'll meet you on the other side. And the shepherd, you know, points the right direction and uh, sends you on your way. How would you feel? I mean, I would feel terrified. I mean, there's wild animals. There's bandits in there. I would feel paralyzed by fear. But that's not the kind of shepherd that you have. Your shepherd goes with you and walks beside you and eliminates every fear and gives you courage because you realize the valley is temporary and he goes with you. You're not alone. But I wonder, I wonder how many of us feel alone right now, feel isolated. You know, going through a dark valley alone, that's not good. Maybe you're sitting here in our Waukesha campus. Maybe you're sitting in the Pewaukee campus or you're watching online. You can be sitting with hundreds of people and you can feel alone and isolated. And you know, if that's you, I'm concerned about you. I'm serious. I'm serious about this. If you feel lonely, if you feel despair, if you feel depressed, if you feel alone, here's what I need you to do. If you need help, here's what I want you to do. If you're watching online or if you're in one of our rooms, I want you to just take out your phone and I want you to text the word CONNECT to that phone number, 262-500-4004. Take out your phone and just text the word CONNECT to that number and we'll reply and we'll follow up with you because we're your church family. 
we're together with you. And your shepherd is not a long-distance guide. He goes with you. And then the verse goes on to say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Look at this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, um, notice how David talks about two tools that the shepherd uses to help us understand the comfort that we're promised. I'm a city guy. I grew up in the city. I don't really know much at all about shepherding. I don't know about you, but I had to do some study on these tools. And so I want to just give you a little shepherding 101 teaching. Shepherds would have two tools, a rod and a staff pictured here. The rod was short, two to three feet long, made out of wood, kind of like a baseball bat. And shepherds would use that rod on predators. I always thought of shepherding as kind of maybe boring and, you know, sleepy, you know, you know kind of, uh, kind of uh, work. But take a look at how David describes his work as a shepherd. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, look at this, rescued the sheep from its mouth. There's some major action going on here. I mean, can you imagine clubbing a bear, clubbing a lion, <laughs> To, to, to get the sheep out of its mouth. David risked his life, and he probably used the shepherd's rod to rescue the sheep. They used the rod more for protection. And then they would have a staff. That's the other tool. You probably recognize this. That's probably what you think of when you hear about a, a shepherd. It's long. It's maybe three to six feet long. It's skinny. It's got a hook or a crook on the end of it. The shepherd would use the staff to care for the sheep as he gently leads them. If a sheep gets stuck in some brush or thorns, you know, he can free the sheep. If a sheep falls into the water, he can scoop them up out of there. So the rod and the staff illustrate how the shepherd fights for us while guiding us through the valley. And he helps us and protects us through our daily struggles. And the staff shows us how the good shepherd is so close to us. Jesus is the, is the good shepherd and he's not leading way out front. He is right uh, beside you. You know, I brought along a shepherd's staff uh, with me uh, today. And, you know, this shepherd's staff is probably about five feet uh, long. That's the distance of the shepherd's staff. And that's the distance of the shepherd from you. The shepherd is not on another hill where he can't see you. The shepherd is not in another city where he can't get to you. No, he's this close to you. He is this close to you. And that's how close the shepherd is uh, to you. And I believe if we could just somehow see beyond our humanness. You know what we would see? I really believe that we would see God and his angels surrounding us and comforting us and protecting us. I've heard it said this way, do not equate your darkness with his distance. Don't equate the darkness of your valley with his distance because he's this close. He is right beside you. I love what uh, scripture says in Isaiah chapter 43. When you go through deep waters, God says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isn't that good? And I love what Pastor Tim Harlow says. He says, what calms the sheep is not the absence of predators, but the presence of the shepherd. Listen, Psalm 23 never promises the absence of darkness or hard times. 
or fear or anxiety or depression, but it does promise us the presence of the shepherd, and that's what calms and comforts and strengthens the sheep. I want you to hear from a couple in our church that have gone through a valley recently. Jen and Jason attend our Pewaukee campus. Take a look. Hi, I'm Jason Weiss. And I'm Jennifer Weiss. We've been attending River Glen since about 2016. Mm -hmm. We were invited to River Glen by some friends and it just happened to be a time that they were, um, you know, promoting big baptism. We started attending after our daughter decided that she wanted to be baptized and it seemed like the right place to be. It's kind of hard to even bring myself back to where we were, but eight years ago, Jason had um, a concussion. He had a, he hit his head on a fence and yeah, he had concussive symptoms and he was um, not in a good place. And from that point, um, roughly eight years ago, we have had um, a lot of health issues. I spent about a month at Mayo and uh, at, in 2019, it seemed like we actually uh, reached that light at the end of the tunnel. Things were uh, pretty, um, pretty normal for a while uh, until August of last year. Um, I had an accident at home, I fell, uh, another head injury, and um, this time it brought about not only the, uh, a lot of the previous symptoms that we thought were past us, the, the neurological issues that we thought were past us, uh, but um, a whole new set of, of challenges. And for the past eight months, uh, even though my concussion healed, the neurological issues have not improved. So we're, we're uh, the doctors are struggling to find a diagnosis uh, because we aren't able to pinpoint a diagnosis. Um, um, I lost my job. I've been denied uh, long-term disability. I don't want to say we're at the, the bottom of a valley, but I feel like uh, at this point, I feel like we could probably see the bottom of the valley. Uh, one of one of the uh, the great things that's come out of this, uh, uh, out of a lot of heartbreak, is that um, it's very clear to me that my identity is not those things, but it, my identity is uh, I'm a child of God. In Psalm 23, the, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff aren't for the sheep, they're for the wolves. It reminds us that these battles are his to fight. Our job is to be obedient and follow him, and he, he will fight the good fight for us. Uh, before we came to River Glen, people say, well, what are you looking for in a church? And, you know, um, um, and I would say Acts chapter two, you know, the, how the original Christians met in their in their homes and broke bread together. And um, uh, when we 
uh, joined our rooted group, the relationships that came out of it, um, just real Christian brothers and sisters. We support one another through yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they have been a tremendous support to us. And in the end, we have to choose joy. We have to choose, are we gonna let these circumstances pull us down, or are we gonna rise above them? And God has given us the strength to do that. Even with all these tears, <laughs> he, he's given us the strength to get on the other side. And I really appreciate Jen and Jason sharing their story. I appreciate their faith. I appreciate their openness and their honesty that uh, they're still in uh, the valley. I wish, they, I wish they were past it. I wish it was all behind them. It's not. I mean, they're still in the valley, but they're not alone. The shepherd goes with them. And they've connected to our church. They're connected to a rooted group that's supporting them and helping them through this valley. And did you catch what Jen said? At the end of the video, she said, God's giving us the strength to get on the other side of this valley. They're trusting the shepherd to comfort and strengthen them and bring them to the other side of this uh, valley. Now, I don't know why they have uh, this valley. I mean, we can't choose our valleys, can we? And I don't know why you have the valley that you do. But, but here's what I know. The, the valley that you're in right now, that's the right one for you. It can help you develop a new and a better and a closer relationship with God. And it can grow you and allow you to serve and help somebody else someday in the future. We don't get to choose our valley, but we do get to choose how we respond to our, our valley. I wonder if you've ever heard this phrase before, come, a come to Jesus moment. You ever heard that before? You ever heard somebody say that? That was a come-to-Jesus moment in my life. Maybe somebody says, hey, that day back then in my life, that was a come-to-Jesus moment. A come-to-Jesus moment is a, is a season usually of pain or difficulty or darkness that causes someone to recognize their need for God. And maybe today, maybe right now, needs to be a come-to-Jesus moment in your life. Maybe the darkness and depression of this season combined with the truth and the promise of Psalm 23, the goat has you right in the midst of a come to Jesus moment. Here's how a come to Jesus moment works in case you're wondering. Maybe some of you are thinking, Ben, I don't really know, you know what that is. I don't really know how that works. I don't really know how to do that. Here's how a come to Jesus moment works. You just come to Jesus. That's how a come to Jesus moment works. You just decide to come to Jesus. Maybe you say something like this. You just say, you know what? I've been trying to do my family on my own. I've been trying to do my marriage on my own. I've been trying to do parenting on my own. I've been trying to do finances on my own. And my kids, it's difficult. My marriage, it feels like it's on thin ice. And I'm not able to save money. Our money's coming near the end. And I can't do this. And you come to Jesus you come to God and you say, I'm coming to you with my family. I'm coming to you with my marriage. I'm coming to you with my parenting. I'm coming to you with my job. I'm coming to you with my finances that are dwindling. It's just a come to Jesus moment where you decide, I can't do this, but you can. 
You can lead me through this valley. I think this past year has been a valley, like a valley for all of us as we go through this emotional and social and financial and physical and spiritual valley that many of us find ourselves in, a dark valley kind of season. But here's what I want you to remember. Number one, you'll get through this. This is temporary. This too will pass. And number two, the shepherd is closer than you could ever imagine. As soon as you have a come to Jesus moment and you turn to him, you'll realize like three to five feet away, that he's right there with you. So I want to take a moment together, and I want you, I want us to feel what it feels like to turn to Jesus and have one of these come-to-Jesus moments. So right now, I want you to try something with me. I want you to invite the presence of God into how you're dealing with your valley. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands, take your hands, and I want you to put them in an open posture like this. You can put them on a, on a table. You can put them on uh, your lap, whatever's comfortable. This is just a physical way to show God that, that we're open to his leadership and to his help. And as you do that, I'm going to speak the truth of this verse over you again to guide you and show you what it can sound like to have a conversation between you and your shepherd. So I just want you to open your mind, open your hearts to him, to ask him to lead you through your valley. So let's, let's, let's try that right now. Let me pray over us. Lord, even though, even though I don't want it and I didn't ask for it, God, I surrender the, to the fact that this valley exists right now. This is just where I'm at right now. And I know you didn't cause it, but for some reason you're allowing it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I will choose to continue to trust you and I want to follow your lead and move forward through it and not get stuck. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God, when I start to focus on all the what ifs and I start to feel afraid, I'm going to repeat your promise over and over and over that you are with me. You are with me. And God, when I'm tempted to forget, you are with me. Make yourself known to me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, may I never be too old or too controlling or too proud to think that I don't need your comfort and protection. I hope you find my heart humble and willing to let you lead and let you provide as you see fit. And if you haven't done it yet, just close your eyes and I'll pray this verse over you one more time. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me pray for us. God, we feel so grateful for the level of love and care and guidance that you want to offer each of us as your sheep. God, thank you for not just lumping us all together as a flock, but walking each one of us through our unique valley in a way that is special to us. God, it's hard for us to believe that you would Love us that uniquely, that closely, that intimately. But you do. Help us trust and rely and lean into your love in these valleys and any more that come our way. Help us to not get stuck. Help us to trust you in ways we haven't before. And God, just reveal to us where maybe we've been trying to get through the valley in our own way instead of your way. 
knowing that your comfort and guidance and protection is greater than anything we could imagine on our own. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.